When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Grit and Barrett podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Calder Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello, Bears Nation. Hope all of you are enjoying your week. This is a special bite-sized, bonus, fun-size episode. Game over featuring the Anaheim Ducks. Friends from the Hockey Podcast Network, the Quack Report featuring Corey Potts joins me. So consider this a little bonus content as we head into the month of August. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you in September, Bears fans. Hello and welcome to Game Over here in the month of August, where we know the NHL season is far, far from over. I I don't mean in the sense that it's far from over. I mean, it's far since it's been over. We've already handed out the Stanley Cup. Everybody's off on summer vacation. Clickbait articles about top tens, way too early predictions. And by the time this will roll out, we'll probably get to Elliott Friedman's 32 teams in 32 days within the next week or two. But we bring on a – we're going to talk about a team in a place where it's always sunny, sort of, depending on the time of year. This team was founded – Checks notes, in 1993, they have one Stanley Cup to their name. They have gone through multiple identities, two name changes, and actually is the only team that incorporates a wilderness instrument into their goal song. I am talking about none other than the Anaheim Ducks. And joining me is is Carter Potts of the Quack Report. Uh, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, joining me to talk about the boys from SoCal. Carter, good to have you on, brother. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's good to be back. It's, uh, I guess it's been a year since, uh, or or even more maybe, since we, I was last on for, uh, for game over last season, I guess. Well, glad to have you back on, brother. Um, if this had been done more around the normal time without things in my life getting in the way, uh, this probably would have been done more around the month of May as opposed to the month of August. So mm-hmm. let's get into this, shall we? As I ask the all-important question, when this, when this, w- w- with what we do, I can talk. <laughs> what happened? What happened with Anaheim? It seemed so good. It seemed all was well at around New Year's. And yeah. I'll let you take it from here. What happened? Well, before I get into what happened after New Year's, I, I want to back up to what uh, we talked about on the Quack Report at the very beginning of the season. And at the very beginning of the season in September, 
the expectations for Anaheim were very, very low. We, uh, me and my co-host Nate, we did our um, division predictions as we do at the beginning of every year, and we had Anaheim seventh in the Pacific. Uh, so, yeah, very, very little expectations. But, um, but things were looking so well for the first half of the season. The Ducks were in a playoff spot. I, I think there was a couple days maybe where they were even first in the Pacific Division at, at one point, and then the wheels just fell off the wagon in yeah about January, February kind of right after the all-star break. And I think what actually happened is the team just kind of regressed back to the mean a little bit. I think they were overperforming in the first half of the season, and then they made up for the overperformance by drastically underperforming in February, and then it was just kind of average from there. So, um, yeah, so I guess to sum up, you know, the Ducks were... The expectations were low. They overachieved, got everyone's hopes up, and then they returned to about where they probably should have been given the roster that they iced uh, on opening night back in October. So, yeah, I could see that because um, the team, um, to, to use another phrase, they were kind of punching over their weight a little bit. Absolutely. This is still a very, very young team, and early on in the season. You know, I know we chirped on Twitter a bit talking about the great religion of Trevor Zegras. Um, <laughs> as his legend was growing through uh, throughout the year. Um, so just kind of to follow up on that, um, was this sort of a um, coming out party for Tre- Trevor Zegras? Or was this just him kind of easing into the league a little bit? Because when I mean by coming out party... That's kind of what Connor McDavid did with the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. That that was his, I'm carrying a team on my back. Was this way of Trevor Zegras trying to become a star or taking a step to becoming that? Yeah, I think, I think in a way, yes. Um, he, I, I'm trying to remember how many games he played, not last season, but the season before. I, I think it was only like 20 or something like that. So, he got the taste of the NHL at the end of uh, 2021. Yeah, the 2021 season. Yeah, uh, and and then this, so this was his first. Yeah, so this was his first full season in the NHL. And because he was kind of the star of the show, there was there wasn't really the high end talent on the Ducks roster that would overshadow Trevor Zegers in any way. Yeah, we still had some big name guys like Ricard Raquel. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff was still around and he's obviously the first name that a lot of people think of when you think Anaheim Ducks. But uh, in terms of like the big flashy, new, young, hot piece of talent, that that was Trevor Zegers this season. So I think in a way, yeah, it was his coming out party. Um, but in in the same breath, I would also say, I don't think we've seen all of Trevor Zegers yet. He's 20 years old, maybe 21. I, uh, um, checking notes here. I think he's around 21, 20 or 21. Yeah. Um, if he's, he's 21 he's... Of, his, of his ELC, which yeah. we'll get to in a little bit. So probably around 20, 21. Yeah. It's a, I, yeah. I'm trying to remember when his birthday is. I think he just turned 21 near the end of the season, but, uh, either way, he's, he's very young in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so yes, this was a, definitely a, a big season for him being his first full season. And I think he really, uh, dove into the, I don't want to say dove into, uh, maybe developed an identity for the post-Gets-Laugh uh, era Ducks. 
Uh, but I, I think we'll see some big things from him in the next couple seasons as well. He definitely seems to have that aura around him that he seems like a guy, at least forward wise, you can build around. And um, that that's better for a few other teams we can say in the NHL right now. So mm-hmm. um, since we're recording this a little bit late, um, yeah. what is your, I, I'd ask what traditionally here, what you guys are going to look for in the draft and or free agency, but we've kind of passed that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so how do you feel that the ducks did with the draft this past year? Was it just more stocking the farm system in a rather, rather weak uh, draft this year? I think so. They took a lot of defensemen, which the ducks are known to be able to develop defensemen really, really well. And I, I mean, some of those guys will probably end up playing for the ducks for a very long time, but Eventually, we're going to run into an issue on the back end where we're going to have way too many defensemen um, that are overdeveloped, ripe, and ready to go, but not enough spots for them. So I think this year, by taking all these defensemen, we're kind of setting ourselves up for our cup window, which I think is opening probably within about three to four years, depending on the development of Zegris, McTavish, and uh, what other pieces are brought in. But three to four years if I had to ballpark it. So by then the the defenseman that we drafted now will be ready to break into the NHL. And I think that they will either um, be traded at the deadline or in the off season for assets that will turn the team from a contender into a hopefully champion, or they will bump somebody else out of their spot, uh, maybe an aging veteran and they will be traded at the deadline for assets. So, um, so yeah, I think the draft was, it wasn't so much, okay, what do the Ducks need that is going to help them in the next year or two, but what do the Ducks, what are the Ducks going to need in three, four, five years from now when a lot of defensemen tend to break into the league? Because I, I think, um, I want to be a little bit humble here, but I, I'm not going to. I'll just let it fly. I think the Ducks have the best, I think the Ducks have the best farm system in, in the NHL, the best prospect pool. I, you could maybe make an argument for one or two other teams. I don't know who they would be, but um, they're definitely up there in terms of prospects. Uh, so I, I think that they're not really looking to develop in the short term. They're looking more long term with this draft. Being someone who does cover the minors, such as myself, um, mm-hmm. I'd say you guys are definitely in the top five in terms of the prospect pool. Um the best, that's always debatable. I think L.A. and Ontario have pretty good. Chicago and yes, Carolina have a pretty mm-hmm. good pipeline as well. But San Diego and Anaheim, um, San Diego has been putting out a lot of good talent for you guys. It's been a really good feeder system pretty much since their inception in fifteen sixteen. So, you know, it, it's it's hard to argue that logic completely. You know, when you say you have one of, if not the best farm systems in the entire league, you're not exactly wrong. You're not boasting and Mm -hmm. you're not exactly wrong um, compared to a lot of other ones that I see out here on the East Coast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like this year, I think the Gulls were, I think they were like second or third last in the division. Like they they made the playoffs because a lot of teams do make the playoffs in the AHL, but they were a pretty fast exit. So 
So I think it was kind of a weird mm-hmm. year where a lot of their big name guys did take that step into the NHL, but then they also have a bunch of guys in the CHL who weren't eligible or, or in college who weren't eligible to play in the AHL. So it, it was just kind of a weird year for them that way. But um, but generally, yeah, they have one of the better farm systems. Or yeah, it, it's always weird seeing. Sorry about that. Sorry, didn't. Mean oh no, go ahead. Well. No. No, you're good. Um, it just—it's it, always weird to see that transition from college or CHL or dare I say USHL. Um, <laughs> we're getting uber minors with this to get yeah. that into the American Hockey League and into the NHL. So that's, mm. it's always very tricky to see who's eligible, who isn't, how they're going to take that step. But all part of the game. So um, let's let's keep this rolling right along. Um, we actually are going to do a little bit of free agency talk because. Your boys just a few days ago were able to snag, or at least at the time of this recording, were able to snag John Klingberg, former Dallas Star, for a one for a one year seven million dollar deal. Hmm. Um, I think he was looking for a seven by seven deal, um, but yeah. didn't get it. Um, you talked about defensemen and having a lot of them, and that puts Anaheim at seven. At, at actually eight defensemen now, um, solid blue line addition. I mean, at least your power play is going to have a lot more firepower to it with him in the lineup. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. It, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I I do like John Klingberg a lot. Um, I kind of called it on our last episode as well, just when we were looking at free agents because the Ducks were nowhere near the cap floor, and, and I was like, oh, we could like sign John Klingberg. He's looking for six seven million dollars or more so like yeah let's let's lock him up see what happens and i wasn't like super serious about it but uh the the thought did cross my mind and i i did verbalize it but it 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 came to fruition um and and yeah one year deal can't be mad about that he got the seven million dollars he was looking for although on a lot less term um but i i think he's probably betting on himself a little bit to come to anaheim where he knows he'll have a top four role and probably some power play time as well. And if he can put up the numbers on uh, a young and low expectation Anaheim team, then he could get that six or $7 million longer term uh, deal somewhere else. I I find it hard to believe that someone would pay a 30 year old uh, $7 million for the next six or seven years, but I think he could get four or five on a a very desperate team. So um but yeah, I think John Klingberg is a great addition to the back end for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, veteran guy uh, who I think will step into a leadership role after Getzlaff is gone. Um, yes, the Ducks generally had a good defense last year, but um, we lost Lindholm and Manson at the deadline. Both of them now signed long-term on their respective teams. So um, yeah, I think we need that bigger, I think John Klingberg's relatively big guy from what i remember i haven't looked too much into it since he signed in anaheim but bigger defenseman who can um who can also be a leader so i I, yeah i I think it'll be good Uh, at least offensively speaking it'll be good (laughs) yep six three one ninety according to cap friendly here um him and cam fowler on on a line him and shatton kirk on a line double helpings for me please (laughs) <laughs> um, you, you'd see a lot of wingers looking at that going, nope, I'm not kneeling against those guys. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so let's, let's get into it to the one 
one question we have here to where to where the host doesn't know what's coming, his guest doesn't know what's coming, and just a little bit of fun spontaneity we like to have here on Game Over. So, your question is, is Dallas Eakin still on the hot seat? Ooh. I find it hard to believe you didn't know that question was coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> last year there was a bit of a, it was sort of a put up or shut up year for, I believe, for Anaheim last year. In the first half of the season, it was put up and the second half shut up, as we talked about. So <laughs> yeah. um, so is is there a short leash for Dallas Eakins? <sighs> this is... This is a very interesting question because I always think that I know the answer to what is going to happen with Dallas Eakins. And it's never the, the actual, the, the truth, what actually happens is not even close to what I normally expect. I, at the end of the season, was fully expecting um, Dallas Eakins to not stay in Anaheim. New GM, uh, his contract was up, so there was no need to keep him around. It was... It, it just made sense that it could be a time for him to go, especially with new GM Pat Verbeek coming in. He had his 30, 40 games together. Um, I I don't think I'm wrong in saying that was some of the worst hockey the Ducks have played in recent memory um, over that span. Not that Dallas Eakins had the best team to work with, but he also didn't really show anything that says, okay, you know what, let's, let, let's maybe keep you around and because I think you made some good choices. Did, did he make, I I don't know. A lot of people would say he made some bad choices. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think he made good choices. I think he was just average. So it could have been time to move on from Dallas Eakins. But nonetheless, Pat Verbeek decided to, um, what's the word? Uh, um, instate the contract option, I guess, because there was the option to, extend him for the extra year under the same terms or, or something. I'm not totally sure how that works, but um, I, I was very confused by that. So was my co-host. So was a lot of Anaheim, I think. Um, they were confused of why that option would be given out when there was coaches on the market that maybe could have been a different voice to a team that was going to go under or undergo a huge identity change with uh Ryan Getzlaff retiring and Josh Manson and Lindholm, who had been around for quite a few years, also uh, going on Drysdale and Trevor Zegris and Troy Terry, all having phenomenal breakout seasons. Like in my opinion, this was the time to undergo a coaching change. It just made sense. New, a, a totally new identity for the team. But Pat Verbeek obviously saw something that I didn't and the rest of Ducks nation didn't. So, um, if I was the GM, I would say that Pat Verbeek, or sorry, that Dallas Eakins would have a very short leash. Um, but there seems to be some chemistry or trust between Verbeek and Eakins that leads me to believe no matter what happens, Dallas Eakins will be in Anaheim for the entire season. And depending on the performance as a whole throughout the season will dictate whether he gets re-signed or they move on to somebody else. Which is, which is understood. Um, 
you know, it, the NHL is a what have you done for me lately league. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like um, coaches that have an unbelievable regular season can have a bad uh, postseason, which, you know, can sometimes prove that uh, Jack Adams trophy nominations aren't really deserved sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not mentioning any certain names in Calgary at all. <laughs> um, but it, it's a what have you done for me lately league. You could mm-hmm. have a good year followed up by a bad year and you're shown the door. Yeah. Um, and we've seen teams, fire coaches, midseason completely turn it around. Um, you know, that's been a trend since the 2010s. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, if I'm, I'm Eakins, I'm looking over your shoulder. If I'm your, if I'm the assistant head coach, you might want to be updating your resume soon. So yeah. as we move forward with this, just remember all you listening to this, this is just a exit survey podcast of this said team. If you want more information about this team, please tune into said podcast, which we will, you know, we will happily promote here at the end of the show. So a couple more questions before we get you out of here. So why should Ducks fans be optimistic heading into October? That's a really great question because I think there's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic uh, going into October, considering how the last few seasons have went. So I'm happy to, provide a optimistic voice um, out there on uh, in, in the Ducks universe. So I think the most obvious one is uh, someone we talked about earlier, and that's Trevor Zegras. I think he is the main reason to be tuning into Ducks games, whether you're a fan of the team or not next season, because on any given night, Trevor Zegras could do something phenomenal. Um, we've seen him do the Michigan uh, a couple times last season. We saw him... Uh, do his dish again play to Sonny Milano um, against Buffalo uh, before, I think that was even before he did the Michigan in the league. Um, so I, I think that is one reason to be very optimistic because as I said before, we have not seen all that Trevor Zegers is capable of. Um, another reason is Mason McTavish, I would say. Um, a lot of people expect him to make the team next year. He got uh, his nine games last season and looked very promising. And uh, a lot of people expect him to be the one center, even ahead of Trevor Zegras um, for the first, for the foreseeable future. So I think uh, Mason McTavish is another potential reason to be excited for, uh, for Ducks games. Um, I think those are the two big ones for uh, why you should be optimistic in Ducks land, Anaheim. Um trying to think of uh, any other ones i I mean there's a (laughs) we have tons of cap space so there's there's always the option to bring on new players yeah i I mean i don't think they're going to use all of it because they have a lot of guys to re-sign um at the end of this upcoming season but you know in the short term you could bring on uh you could do deals with any team to take on um some big contracts for guys that maybe are overpaid but are still really good players so um yeah the ducks are kind of a a wild card in what they could do because there's so many options but uh if you're looking for good high intensity playoff hockey all season long anaheim's probably not the place you want to be but if you want to see fast highly skilled players just having fun uh in trevor's egress and um 
Mason McTavish, uh, just to name a couple, then I, I think that is uh, one reason to tune into Ducks games. Well, you mentioned about being pessimistic, so we're going to flip it right on that. <laughs> Let's just go right into it. Why should Ducks fans be depressed heading into October? Well, the team that they are currently looking at is largely similar to the team that they've iced for the last few seasons. Um, I would argue maybe even worse because, yes, Trevor Zegras is a nice flashy name. So is Jamie Drysdale. So is John Gibson. But beyond that, there's uh, there's a lot of fourth liners and AHLers playing in roles that they're maybe not suited for in the long term. And it's, uh, yeah, the the expectations, I think, for this team are, are not even to make the playoffs this year. I think it's just to see some individual growth and development and develop an identity. And then in the next couple seasons, we'll start to see all the pieces maybe come together. But um, for this season, it's, it's, if you're a Ducks fan, it's not going to be very fun to watch. You might see a lot of goals, but... <laughs> not necessarily in uh, in the other team's net. A lot of them might be in behind John Gibson or Anthony Stolarz or Lucas Dostal or whoever is backing up Gibson. Or maybe Gibson's e- even gone. Who even knows if he wants to be there? And that, that would really upset me because I, I love John Gibson in Anaheim. But there's there's just a lot of question marks around this team. And it's it, there's not going to be a lot of winning. I don't think so. (laughs) Those are a couple reasons to be pessimistic. I would say this almost sounds like you're explaining. This is a rebuild of a rebuild because fans have bought into the notion that this team is going to be um, retooling with the core of Getzlaff, Perry and others moving on. Mm -hmm. And they accepted that by players of Zgris, Trary, Detroit, Terry, Raquel and others and now at least you're saying, and I'm not hanging this on you in any way, that that now we have to expect more of that, that maybe fans, you know, thought, you know, maybe looked at L.A. and went, why can't we have what they're doing? Yeah, unfortunately, the um, when Bob Murray was, uh, I don't want to say in power because that sounds like it's a, bit of a dictatorship but when when bob murray was running the ship we'll say he yes there was a retool but i don't think it was done in the right way the right way being how say la is doing it and that pains me to say (laughs) that la is doing something that the ducks aren't but um la found i think a good mix of Keeping the veterans around, um, bringing in new talent that wasn't rookies, um, but also and building also building around their rookies in a way. So it, it wasn't let's um, we'll take Quinton Byfield for an example. It wasn't okay. We've got Quinton Byfield now. He's going to be running our top line or, or second line. If things don't work out with him, then this season's a write off. Whereas with the Ducks, a lot was riding on our younger guys, um, Max Comtois, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, uh, especially up front. And a lot of them, I don't think we're quite ready for that much of a role on the team yet. 
I think they are now, but they just weren't given that support over the last few years. And I don't think it's for lack of trying. We had Ricard Raquel, Jakob Silverberg around who who were phenomenal uh, for us four, five, six years ago. But just over the last few years, injuries have really, um, especially with Silverberg, injuries have really hurt them and, and their play has fallen off a little bit. So um, I, I, <laughs> this is going to sound like a very cheap answer, but I think a lot of it comes down to the Ducks just being unlucky with some of the moves they made and, and some of the gambles that they took. Um, and so in that way, their first rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it, just didn't pan out. And now they're kind of forced to have another rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call that. Um, so long story short, yes, unfortunately, another rebuild is on the horizon. But I think there's more potential this time especially with Troy Terry just entering his prime, Trevor Zegras up and coming, Mason McTavish up and coming, um, still having some veterans around like John Kling, John Klingberg, Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, e- even John Gibson, even though he's only mid-20s, he's been in the league for six, seven years at this point. So it's uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this rebuild. And with Pat Verbeek running the ship now, who uh, who learned a lot under Steve Eiserman, who has built a couple decent teams over the last few years. Um, understatement of the year, I'm sure that is. But <laughs> um, but with Pat Verbeek running the ship now, I, I think things look a lot better, and I think things are going to be done the right way. And um, bringing in a guy like John Klingberg on a one-year deal is a lot better than bringing in Kevin Shattenkirk on a three-year deal like Bob Murray had done. So I expect a lot of safe moves to be made in this rebuild, um, at least for now, leading into maybe some more um, high-risk gambles that I have faith will pay off based off of who Pat Verbeek learned of it, learned under. So, um, so yeah, I, I feel like I'm rambling on here, but... <laughs> Uh, again, I think um, with with Pat Verbeek running the ship, I, I think it's going to be a very different kind of rebuild is what I'm trying to say. Understood. Understood. A little long-winded, but I understand what you you were trying to say. But <laughs> speaking of saying, it's the golden rule here on Game Over. And to the Anaheim Ducks, we say Game Over. So, Carter, thank you, brother, for joining me. Before we get you out of here, I will give you... a a minute or so to uh, promote whatever you're doing there, brother. So um, the board is thine. Well, first off, Richard, thank you very much for having me on. It's always a blast to come and chat about uh, one of my favorite teams here with you. And uh, yeah, I, you can follow my personal Twitter at Carter underscore POTS, P-O-T-T-S underscore 97. And you can follow my show uh, that I do with my co-host, Nate, the Quack Report, which is part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We are at Quack Report Pod on all the social media and we live stream on YouTube. Um, if you just search The Quack Report, you can find all of our episodes up there and we're available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. So at Quack Report Pod, uh, once again, is where you can find that. 
Hey, uh, thank you for joining me again, brother, for coming on and talking some Ducks hockey from out there in SoCal. And thank you to all of you for your times, listens, and downloads this week here on Game Over. This will be the second to last one because coming up next time is, of course, we go all the way to the mountaintop. We head all the way to the upper echelon, and we will be talking about the champions of the NHL. You should know them by now. If not, I can't help you. But for myself, Richard Blosser, and for Corey Potts of the Quack Report, we'll catch you next time on Game Over. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.